You're keeping the Yuletide gay with Hellbent for Metal, the podcast that normally would be all in favour of positivity about pegging, but if Edwina Curry is the one providing it, might have to go and listen to Insect Warfare to blot out the mental image. Um, I presume you saw the interaction between Edwina and Prison Paul. <laughs> I did, yeah, it was brilliant. Well, I actually saw it by way of a meme that someone had made where it was, um, it was a set of dominoes and the first one was... Um, the first one was somebody gets the flu in Wuhan, and then the last one, which was huge, said <laughs> Edwina Curry admits that she pegged John Major. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was that was one of those moments where Twitter takes over Reddit. Like when twi- yeah. tweets start appearing on Reddit, you know things have have gone viral. Pretty and much, for, yeah. For it, it uh, for anyone who hasn't seen this, Edwina Curry, who is a former Conservative uh, me- minister and member of Parliament. Um, who famously had an affair with then Prime Minister John Major, uh, retweeted something from um, uh, a Nazi, basically, um, about... <laughs> uh, no, for legal reasons, I should probably say he ju- he is just a, a conservative jur- journalist in the same way that talking about heavy metal makes me king of the world. Um, but he, there was basically an interaction where she said don't you know don't underrate your woman fucking you in the ass in in a roundabout sort of way in a roundabout sort of way (laughs) to which everyone went what including (laughs) lots of people who are absolutely fine with pegging including you know including you know most of the lgbt community who just went you know normally we'd be all right but edwina curry yeah it all just felt a bit off yeah, it's you know it's it's like it's like when your grandparents start sharing you know stories that would be tagged as not safe for work. It's just it's <laughs> it's not a comfortable thing to hear because of who they are. Like if it was someone else's grandparents, it would be very different. But when it's your own, <laughs> too close to home. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, this is Hellbent for Metal, the LGBT plus heavy metal podcast, has featured in the bloody Guardian, not Blind Woo! Guardian. The Guardian. <laughs> not, we are not featured in Blind Guardian. We might be featured on a future Blind Guardian song. Who knows? Oh, d- d- oh don't, <laughs> don't, don't tempt me, Frodo. Uh, that is, seriously, that would just make my everything. <laughs> it would be bloody hilarious. I'd like the idea that we would just have a section of podcast in the middle of one of their songs. As well. <laughs> yeah, it that wouldn't would be, be us singing. Fun. I mean, it, it, I should probably say as well, Blind Guardian are one of my absolute all-time favourite bands. So were that to happen, I think I would just explode literally <laughs> in happiness. <laughs> Uh, I am Tom, and joining me today, just before we all disappear for a festive, furtive fumble with Santa's sack of unexpected goodies, is someone whose preference for grindcore over grinder is less to do with his orientation than his own sense of self-preservation, Mr. Joe Nan. Joe, how hungover are we this morning? Only a little bit, actually. Uh, I did drink quite a lot, and I was drinking an absolutely, a total car crash of combinations of things, because I just felt like it. I pathetically last night um, had virtually nothing to drink, but because I've had virtually nothing to drink for quite a long time, we've had a very sensible few months. Um, <laughs> the moment we heard what was happening in the world last night, I'm not going to share it because it's too awful, but everyone who in, in in the UK will know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, we just said, should we have a gin and tonic? And we had a, we had a few gin and tonics and like not enough to cause problems normally <laughs> and i woke up this morning and went oh no that's just not fair <laughs> yeah i um i reverted back to being a teenager basically and i was drinking gin uh with a mixer of smirnoff ice i saw it in the shop and i went i've not had that in about a decade why not 
<laughs> I, I, it was... I, I'm frankly disgusted for the gin. I think, I think the gin should be insulted. Yeah, I don't know. It was fucking horrible. I have to like. I thought maybe it would be like almost like a weird turbo shandy situation, but it was just shit. I, that I believe. <laughs> uh, moving on from things that are just shit. As ever, if you are part of the LGBT plus community and you help make heavy metal happen, we'd love to hear your voice be heard. Uh, so if you'd like to have a chat to us, please do get in touch via email at tom.hbfm at gmail.com or at hbfmpod on Twitter, where our DMs are open. Uh, although I did find this week our notification settings are a bit shit. So if we don't reply at first, <laughs> we're not ignoring you. Twitter's just decided to hide it from us for three days, which was... um. Make someone make Twitter decided to make me be rude to someone this week, which was uh, nice. <laughs> um, in what I swear will be the last dreadful festive pun for this episode, uh, we have a proper Christmas cracker for you this week because we have a very, very special guest joining us for an In My Kingdom queer, uh, known for her work both as a singer in the groundbreaking, distinctive band Life of Agony and as a solo artist whose most recent album, The Moans, came out earlier this year. This is none other than Mina Caputo. Uh, just before we jump straight into the chat with her, I should probably say that we did not have the best of luck with this. Um, first up, we had some you know, boring, ordinary technical issues, most of which I've hopefully gotten rid of through the miracles of sound editing. Uh, but if there are any gremlins audible, uh, we apologise, but that's the perils of transatlantic communication sometimes. Um, secondly, Mina's dog was really ill the day I called, so she's, she mentions at some point that this one is sick. Uh, that's what she's referring to. Um, but uh, that's sorted. Here is Mina Caputo. Okay, so the, the just to start off, um, what's your, your broad experience of being of, of the, being in and around the rock and metal scene since you've been out how's it what's the the kind of the broad experience been like well since you know listen I'm, a, I'm i create my own reality so based on a creator i i, I don't regurgitate reality like 99 percent of the world 99.9 percent .9 of the world i'm too busy you know i'm too busy creating my reality instead of like uh, you know, living a reality that that people are trying to force feed down my fucking throat. So, like, personally speaking, you know, I create the best of the fucking best, you know, like, um, regardless of what's going on in the world or the music industry, you know, I'm busy creating my reality. Um, you know, when I'm touring with Life of Agony and... Um, you know, I'm with family, I'm with friends, I'm with fans, I'm with people who want to work with us, work with me. I have people that are genuinely and authentically allies. Um, so my personal world is fantastic. It's incredible. You know, I, I don't have any shortage of musicians that don't want to work with me in the studio. So for the most part, uh, yeah, it's, let's say out of a thousand shows that we did in the past two years, maybe, or three years, you know, I was bitten once and I was assaulted once and we were threatened to have the sh club sh shoot up and some psychopath wanted to shoot up the band, the fans and the club. 
Um, but other than that, um, if you're asking me if I've had any odd encounters, those would be it. But I think the girl who assaulted me was on PCP or some kind of crazy drug. Like she was like behaving like one of those zombies in 28 days later. Right. And she tried to bite a fucking hole in my leg while I was singing on stage. And, you know, I stopped the show and. Yeah, that must have been horrible. Yeah, it was pretty. Um, it, it was more of a, a shock. It was more like of a scary shock than, but, uh, you know, we don't really, I mean, if we're doing a festival or something, there may be a heckler or two over there, but that's been throughout my entire career. You know, even, even before I was out and allowing my state to express my femininity, um, you know, when I was living as a guy and all that shit, you know, um, the music world considered me a gay junkie anyway, you know, according to like music fans and stuff like that. We were a very different band even back then. We were very, very different. You know, I was like one of the most unique singers out there. And um, especially if we're specifically speaking about the metal genre, there's nobody that sings like, there's nobody who delivers a vocal the way I do. Um, or have the persona or the energy or that, you know, shamanistically gets fucking ill on the stage, you know? So, yeah. Um, most, of the, most, of the, most of the nights are incredible, but I don't know what you're trying to ask me. Well, what I'm, I'm guess what I'm, I'm getting at is that what's been the kind of that the point of that question was to see what the the general experience has has been like because the it's funny if you ask that question to different people, depending on where they are in the world and exactly where they are in terms of you know what they're doing and what their their involvement with with music is, you can get some very different answers. So you can hear some quite fantastic stories about how positive things have been and how actually that people have been very welcoming and people have been you know quite um supportive and being you know wanted to be allies even if they don't necessarily know how to just yet but you can also hear some stories about how things have been much more difficult um so and one example is is one um one person we spoke to recently who was had relatively recently come out as trans and went to um buy some merch from another band after a show and they were um quite openly transphobic to her as she was giving them money whereas someone else we've spoken to has had an experience where actually generally speaking they feel much safer in rock and metal because actually people tend to behave themselves a bit more when it comes to talking to each other than in some other things they've had people tend to kind of form a sense of community a bit more so that's kind of where i'm what why i'm asking that question um i guess the the kind of the obvious follow-up to what you've just said is that you you mentioned that you've you've been fortunate to have a lot of people around you who've been very supportive and been been allies are there any kind of any moments that really stand out when someone really, really did reach out and make themselves 
you know, they make themselves known as someone who wanted to be particularly supportive. Yeah. Um, when I first came out in um, 2008, one of the prominent people, one of the first people that have ever written me to give me support and love was Isaac, Danny Diablo from Crown of Thorns. I don't know if you know him. Not personally, the, but I know the of whole, him. Yeah, the whole DMS crew, all those cats. He definitely made a point, you know, to... People like, oh my God, you're the most punk rock motherfucker out there. Anyone got beef with you? You know, da, da, da. It, it, they'll be hell to pay, basically, and to sum it up. But um, I, I, I can't, I mean, I can't really think of all the people that pretty much have supported me. Listen, I was always eccentric. A lot of people already knew um, I, I have a lot of love and a lot of support. And to be honest, that's all I focus on. I, I, I focus on love. I focus on uh, healing. I focus on cleansing all the traumas that I've been through. I, I, I focus on love. I focus on being a warrior of light. So whatever you focus on, you're li literally magnifying that energy for yourself in your life. And that's all that you really have coming to you. I don't really focus on all the homophobic and transphobic and all the fucking idiots in the industry because trust me, there's a lot of them. I can name about 10 fucking rock stars that I won't that want to stick their dick in me but won't dare to publicly mention the word trans on any of their social media sites. I once recently tweeted that there's small dick energy in the music industry and that's what I pretty much meant about it, that no one really owns up to, 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 their, to their truth. Everyone supports trans people, but behind closed doors. And um, there's a lot of that as well. And yeah, there's great stories and, and there's good, um, uh, but the, you know, there's the duality of life. That's the nature of life. If you want me to tell you how wonderful the metal and hard rock community world is, I'd be bullshitting you. Because every day I get something fucking horrific sent to me. If you scrutinize Napalm's, uh, if you go to Life of Agony videos on Napalm's page, you'll just see how fucking rampant transphobia really is. But there's also a lot of love. You know? I just, the other day, I got a letter because I, I, I got a, a note from someone saying, you're so fucking disgusting. I can't listen to your band anymore. I can't believe what you turned out to be. You're fucking horrible. I can't even like, you know, put your music on. Like, I get that shit every day, but I don't focus on that because these are the people that are jerking off looking at my fucking erotic photos online, you know? So I don't, I don't really take, these people are fucking pranksters to me. You know, these people actually just make me stronger. You know what I mean? And they, they make me realize, you know, just how ill-equipped people are cerebrally, you know? And it just shows me just how, just the lack of understanding of, you know, people don't really understand what this life really is or what we are or what the human species is. I don't blame anyone because... They don't really teach that. And they, they actually 
hide that information from humanity. They don't want us knowing our ancient past or they don't want us progressing, you know. But aside from all that stuff, you know, I get it both. I, I There's the yin and the yang, you know, and I'm okay with that. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily need people to like me or accept me or to think I'm a real woman or I'm a fake woman or I'm this or I'm a that or I'm a, I don't really care what people think. I don't, I don't base my life off of the opinions and judgments and the ideas of other people. I could give a fuck. Not one person nor institution that man has made for humanity serves me. It's a fucking farce, man. You know, it's, 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 it's the greatest show Hollywood ever fucking made. It's called politics and the art of bullshitting. And, you know, all these institutions, religious institutions, you know, everything, everything, everything. And this trickles down into the mind of the human being, you know, and, you know, but again, I don't focus on really um, the negativity that I get every day. Otherwise, I drive myself crazy, but I do get it. But I focus more on the love and I get a lot of love. I get a lot of people. And these are just regular people. I don't think it has anything to do with a genre of music. Because people don't just like one genre of music. Yeah, so I, I get it both. I get some ill motherfuckers that, you know, if I was a weak individual, and if I had no dignity or integrity or security or confidence within, and I was just a weaker individual, and I lived my life relying on what other people thought, I would have put a bullet in my head years ago. You know, but I'm I'm a warrior. I'm a, I'm a, I'm an incredibly durable. I'm the sniper of the trans community, basically. You know, I'm the Jesus Christ of the trans community. So your bullshit and your lack of understanding me only allows me to say, bitch, you don't fucking even understand yourself. You don't even, you're afraid of your own shadow. Never mind understanding what I'm going through. So I don't really, you know, I, I, I'm, all, I'm lighthearted about it. If people make fun of me, I laugh. And I'm like, okay. Because it's so, everyone is so hypocritical, you know? You know, human beings are very hypocritical uh, animals. And I think it might be encoded in our DNA. We're encoded with this killer instinct, with this violence. Also, too, with this affection and the nurturer, the sensual. We're encoded with so many different roles. And, um, and I think, you know, listen, I've been studying Alan Watts, Manly P. Hall, Terrence McKenna, Dennis McKenna, Huxley, Timothy Leary, you know, all the great artists like, uh, you know, and, and philosophers, Blavatsky, all these people, you know, uh, Rudolf Steiner, Schopenhauer, Nietzsche, Young, my favorite. 
People are fucking morons. No one's well-read. Everyone's ill-equipped to understand what's going on on this planet. People don't read. People don't do research. So when someone comes at me with hate and ill will, I know it's a testament of their own weakness and their own lack of strength, their own lack of self-love. They only hate me because I love myself so much. And I've got the I've got the courage to be hated, and I can give a fuck. Seriously, could give a fuck what anyone thinks. Who thinks I'm real? Who thinks I'm not? Who thinks I suck? Who thinks I'm this? Who thinks I'm that? Who thinks I'm an ugly woman? Woman? Who thinks I'll never be a real? I get it all. So you know, there's good and there's bad in every in every industry. So I don't care if people hate me and I don't care if people love me. I don't suck up to my praise. I don't suck up to my people condemning me or want to crucify me. I'm very neutral. I do what I do. I do me. I reach for, you know, I work on myself. I work on my disciplines. Um... And I busy myself with creating my reality, like I was telling you. As every as everyone's regurgitating reality and this fake reality that they've been told to live, I'm busy creating it. So I don't really pay attention to anyone or anything, really. And even when I'm on social media, I do a pop-in and then I leave. I don't waste my time scrolling and looking at other people's lives. And I'm from the vintage era. I'm too busy playing classical piano. I'm too busy making records. I'm too busy going in the park, going to the ocean, living my living my real life offline. <laughs> you know, like everyone lives online now. Yeah. It's like bitches aren't even living. They're fucking machines now, you know? So I don't give a shit, you know, who likes me, who doesn't. I don't, and honestly, I don't really pay attention to how a community as a whole grows because the rock community, the metal community, the hardcore, it's growing every day. You can't put your finger on the state of growth. The state of growth is constant. It's always, and, 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 and nothing stays the same. The only thing that's consistently the same is the idea of change itself. Change is the only thing that stays the same. So I can't accurately give you a, a graphed out statistically proper, you know, oh yeah, the metal community is so beautiful. No one's transphobic and everyone loves me. And no, <laughs> you know, so uh, yeah. But what I can say is everyone knows that I ain't fucking around and they know I'm real and they know I'm authentic and they know I wear my heart on my sleeve. You can fucking hate me for whatever, but you're going to love me because guess what? I'm honest with myself and I'm honest with the world. And again, 99.9% people aren't even honest with themselves. That's why there's that hate. That's why so many people are uncomfortable with the way I'm living because they need me to change for you to be comfortable. 
uh, 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 shit is backwards. So people are growing up with these backwards fucking, like, mentalities that just, oh, you know. And mind you, I'm a, I'm a little bit ticked off because of my dog, so, <laughs> you know. And we will have more from Mina later in the show. Before we bring you the rest of that chat, though, this is the bit of the show where we would normally chat about what music we're into right now. But as it's the end of the year and there isn't any music coming out right now, uh, we instead can discuss music we've been into this year with the first part of our albums of the year. Uh, we did each make a top 20. Um, I should probably put the ground rules together first, though. Um there were th- the th- the standard exclusions that always apply to these things. So, no reissues, no live albums unless it's at least seventy five percent original material, and no EPs. So, sadly, the Gulch album just got chucked out straight away because that's an EP. It's way too short, uh, and the Bring Me the Horizon EP would was counted by them as an EP. So it's out too uh, which is unfortunate because both of those would have made my top 20 quite comfortably um, obviously as well Joe is completely banned from including anything on the label he works for so if anyone <laughs> from his employers are wondering why he hasn't included anything it's because he wasn't allowed uh, either I'm allowed to clue- include stuff from there uh, but we're not going to do in any in, any in-depth discussion into those that I pick um so we have both made a top 20, and we're going to count down numbers 20 to 11 this week. Uh, and rather than make the show three hours long and discuss every album one at a time, uh, we're going to give you a quick summary of each, the elevator pitch version, if you will, and then discuss one pick from the list in detail. Uh, Joe, before I hand the anal retur- retentive nerd baton over to you, uh, how easy was this top 20 to put together for you? Um, it was actually a bit of a weird one because I feel like I need to give a disclaimer that I basically haven't listened to any new music this year. <laughs> um, I've spent most of this year listening to stuff from either 10 years ago or like 40 years ago. Um, I don't really know why. I've just found, I just decided I was just going to listen to loads. I got really into Blue Oyster Cult and Kate Bush and a uh, bunch of other stuff and I haven't really listened to that much that's come out this year. I've listened to enough. And there were definitely albums that didn't make this list. But um, I also think it's probably, if if I was being really nitpicky, it probably isn't the definitive order that I'd put these in. But if I was going to try and find that, it would have taken me until probably 2027. So I just settled on Fair. this and went, this is close enough. I'm happy with how it's laid out. Top 20s are always, this is why top 20 now, it might change next week. Because of course your opinions about music is fluid. It's entirely... Yeah. And it's entirely subjective media format. Um, I would say that for me, one was very easy, two to 19 were fairly straightforward, and then 20 was an utter nightmare. Because I think this has been a brilliant year for new music, and I've had loads and loads and loads of records that I've been massively into. So the long list for this was like 70 albums. So cutting that down to a short list of 30 to try and whittle down to 20 was painful and the most painful one is always the last one because that's the one which could have been occupied by another 20 records so for me this was a nightmare but uh enough about me uh without further ado will you please count down your the first half of your top 20 starting from number 20 Okay, so uh, at number 20, I went with an album called There Is No Year by a band called Algiers. It's a really political mix of soul and post-punk. 19 
is Ravening Iron by Eternal Champion, which we've discussed quite in depth. If you like waving swords about, that's one for you. Oh, God. 18 is uh, California Cursed by a hardcore band called Drain, which honestly I kind of put in here because I couldn't have Gulch. Uh, if you're a fan of Rotting Out, you'll probably like this quite a lot. Yeah, that rocks. Uh, 17, Underneath by Code Orange. Uh, a lot of people have had this a lot higher. I don't love it quite as much as their other stuff, but I still think it's really amazing and they should take over the world. So that'd be nice. Uh, 16 is Sawayama by Rina Sawayama, which is her debut album. Uh, it's a pop record that sounds like it was plucked out of 2002, but also has elements of new metal that work to actually uh, make the songs better instead of just being a bit of a gimmick. Uh, 15 is Mystery by a Taiwanese band called Mong Tong, which is a sort of instrumental, slightly electronic, uh, psychedelic rock record, which at one point samples music from Pinball 3D, which is fun. And is very, very weird. Very weird. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, 14 is Mortal by Necrot, which is kind of just a a relatively by-the-numbers death metal record, but just done incredibly well. Uh, and it's it's super low end and just great and incredibly old school. <laughs> it's super a, old, school. very Joe Nan record. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thirteen is Habits by mm. Elephant Tree, which we will go a little bit more in depth on. So I'm going to kind of skip this. Uh, Twelve is Through the Hollow by Molasses, which is a band formed by ex members of the Devil's Blood. It's another sort of psychedelic rock record, but this one's a little bit more enveloping, uh, and it's not instrumental. And it's also very weird also very weird <laughs> and uh number 11 is apex profane by miasmatic necrosis which is this sort of 25 minute long really nasty gargly grindcore death metal record which is the nastiest thing i've heard this year by a country mile yes this is vile i had listened to this and even i was going yeah this is kind of uh, this is is disgusting even by the standards of some of the stuff i like and the artwork is just like two people in like doctor's scrubs and then a bit like a big pile of human bits. Yeah, I'm guessing they're not really <laughs> doctors. I think they might be no. models. And I think that might be tissue paper soaked in uh, f in red food gallery. For... Looks good, though. Yeah, it does look good. <laughs> so uh, Elephant Tree Habits. Uh, I'm, spoiler alert, this is going to be in my top 20 as well. So uh, the, when I say this, you'll know I'm not, go I'm, not I'm not saying, so why have you picked this in a strange way? But why have you picked this one in particular? It's a bit of a funny one, but I so I saw them at Desert Fest a couple of years ago before anything from this record had come out, obviously. Um, and I saw them live, and I can't... It was either just before I found out, or I just found out that they were signing to the label that now shall not be named. And, um, I don't know what you're talking about. That label doesn't <laughs> exist. <laughs> ah, yeah, exactly. Before they didn't sign to a Anyway... But I went to see them live, and they played at the Electric Ballroom during Desert Fest. And live, I thought they were fucking amazing. It was one of the, it was the, probably the best set I'd seen that whole weekend. And I just, it was one of those where I spent the entire rest of the weekend going, "Oh my god, have you heard Elephant Tree? Oh my god, does, Elephant Tree, Elephant Tree." Oh, I love. And then those I went sets. home and listened to their recorded output, and it sounded rubbish in comparison. Everything up to that point that they'd had recorded was just recorded in a way that just didn't do any of it justice. So when this came out, and it's got like the most lush production, and it's this, it's I don't even really 
fully know how to describe it because they're sort of a doom band but it doesn't really feel like a doom record oh it very much feels like a doom record it feels like a doom record just with a different singer okay there you go yeah i mean but it does it doesn't have that a lot of doom is quite oppressive in terms of like it's quite you know almost feels like you're wading through a mire at points whereas this is very floaty and uplifting and it's just it just makes me really happy (laughs) it's just like a really positive sounding record and I, I just, I love it. I think it's so good. And I was so excited to see this record live and because they were supposed to be playing at uh, Oslo, I think, as kind of a record release show for this. And I was so, it was probably my most anticipated gig of the year and then obviously didn't happen. And then the world went mad. Yeah, yeah and I'm absolutely devastated about it. And I'm just like, I'm still just itching to hear this live because I think it's incredible. I'm interested that you find it really uplifting because I th- I love it. I mean, obviously it's in my top twenty as well, so I definitely love it. Uh, I don't find it uplifting at all. I find it incredibly sad. Oh, really? Yeah, I I like it's obviously this is very much one of those. What you take out of a record often depends, you know, as much on you as as what the actual music is. But I really went. This is incredibly tragic. This, this <laughs> is. A, this sounds to me like, um, you know, like like someone who is who was happy and is now has just had the heart broken. Yeah, I could see that. But I think for me, it just has this quite warm overall sound, which yeah. to me just resonates with with joy. <laughs> I think the thing that we should probably say for anyone who hasn't heard it is that it is doom in the sense that it is you know classic crushing riffs and really quite down tuned and quite bassy but it's never it's not kind of it's not electric wizards it's not no. incredibly fuzzy miserable awfulness um and the singer is incredible yeah he's so good he's got such a a clean clear and high, he's got one of those voices which is quite high not the kind of traditional heavy metal operatic he- uh, tenor wannabe but just just a, a higher register but strong so it's ne- it's never kind of thin it's not ozzy osbourne's thin thing and it's not the the theatrical thing that dio had or anything like that it's a very distinctive voice um the thing it reminds me most of is basically a doom version of um did you ever hear a band called junius no i don't think i have so they brief they had this kind of brief flirtation with heavy metal before going back into a into more of a rock territory uh they did this record report called reports from the threshold of death which i think was on prosthetic about six years ago which basically sounded like a a much a slightly more traditional metal as opposed to kind of new metal version of deftones like really big deftones you think to them you'd like them i mean if you like this and deftones you would definitely vibe off them and they were fucking great. And I remember going to see them at uh, the borderline and just you know being completely blown away by how w- well they were able to make the really, really floaty thing work live. Um, and then the next record, they kind of changed and they lost a lot of that. This reminds me of a Doom version of that record, which was so great. It is really impressive how few bands are able to do that we're going to make something really heavy but make you feel like you're floating on top of it rather than make you feel like you're crushed by it it's a really difficult thing to do and they do i think that's it it has that it has that it almost has a bit of a shimmer to it like i think what you were saying in terms of it's not that super distorted dirgy electric wizardy sort of thing like 
it's it's all relatively clean. Not in a way where it sounds clinical, but in a way where it sounds. It's still a fucking metal record. Yeah, but it almost sounds a bit. It almost like dabbles with feeling like ethereal at points without being atmospheric. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And the the one kind of caveat, I mean, for a, a before I come in with a caveat, the the mark of how great I think this is is my better half, um, and the fact that I. My reflex is to use a gender-neutral term for him is something we're going to have to talk about at some point because it's it's one of my big like LGBT plus buzz, buzz uh, kill things. Uh, but anyway, he's he's a metal fan, but he's not really a Doom fan. But even he loves this. Like this was I put this record on because I wanted to listen to it, and he was kind of nodding along. But when it got to Bird, which I think track that's seven, my standout track. Yeah, that's the best song on the album. Yeah. He he just turned around and you know when someone says who's this and you know they're into it <laughs> yeah. uh, and then immediately look them up on Spotify and that song is now in our kind of listen at home together playlist uh, you know, so someone who is not necessarily a genre fan but is is open to that kind of music hears this and goes oh yeah that's for me that's how good it is the slight caveat is that Bird and Broken Nails are absolutely incredible and they are noticeably better than most of the rest of the record and the, what i think is that this is a, a band who have an awful lot of room to get better i think that's the most exciting part of, yeah. uh, of it for me is it's it's that re- it's that moment of what i heard when i saw them live being realized on a record and then knowing that can go even further yeah i mean if they put an album together of that that's an album of the year in magazines all across the genre. Yeah, I reckon so. So yeah, that's. I think we we both have big hopes for Elephant Tree for the future. Ooh, yes. Uh, and that was the first half of Joe's top twenty. Uh, we will have the second half next week, which means uh, by process of elimination, it must be my turn. Uh, so before I can change my mind again, I should crack on. Uh, uh, I should say that some of these we've spoken about already. I have done blogs on most of the rest in some fashion, so if something sounds up your alley and you want to know more, uh, my blog is killwithpower.com. Just go there and search for the band name. You'll get to it. But without further ado, here we go. Uh, Number 20 is Zergar. Easier to spell than say. uh, With Thunder in the Mountains. Uh, This is a wistful but uplifting black metal record with uh, folky time signatures uh, and some gentle melodies through keyboards and some really lovely clean vocals at 19 uh anona thrak with endarkament uh grinding black metals so vile it's like having acid blasted in your ear with a pressure washer but with catchy choruses 18 is elephant tree with habits uh we just did this 17 is uh black magnets hallucination scene we spoke about this last week uh in, in kind of really pounding industrial stuff amazing uh 16 is vreda hammer with viperous uh we'll get to this 15 is Blurdiger Skald uh, with The Undrunken Curse. Uh, this is ridiculously fun folk metal that's much smarter than the name or lyrics suggest uh, and remains fun for longer as a result. 14 is Black Crown Initiate, Violent Portraits of Doom is Doomed Escape. Uh, really amazing proggy techie death metal that's really accessible. We've spoken about this in episode two. 13 is Falconer with From a Dying Ember. This is ludicrously catchy songs that are built from Viking metal building blocks and put together with a power metal ethos and a singer who is literally straight out of musical theatre. Their last, tragically, but quite possibly best record. 12 is Unleash the Archers with Abyss. 
Uh, this is incredibly muscular, like really, really strong, catchy as fuck power metal with more guts and spine than anyone around. Imagine Judas Priest if they'd grown up on Blind Guardian. Uh, and finally, uh, which we'll skip over quite quickly, uh, Sepultura's Quadra, uh, Brazilian legends that just thrashed and smashed and roared their way to their best album since Roots. Yes, I'm making that claim. Uh, and I'm not convinced I like this less than that album either. Uh, but before Joe can butt in and pluck his own wares, um, we're going to dump, jump straight in with talking about Hammer's Viperous. Uh, before I kick us off and do the kind of elevator pitch at the start did you know these guys already or was this a new name for you yes i am a big fan of violator oh big, right. big fan yes. of violator. so uh i am also a big fan of violator but i was also a big fan of vinter offer which was their debut uh mm-hmm. to the extent that i was editing terrorizer at the time and put them in straight away just having heard it like twice just went yeah that's going in uh and did the interview myself was like yeah this is right up my alley i'm talking to this lot um <laughs> Partially because it was it was it was just Ace, but also because they sound a lot like Keep of Kalesin, uh, who I'm an enormous fan of and were really, really important for me at a absolutely crucial point while I was getting into black metal in a big way. Uh, and not just because their acronym is Cock. Uh, <laughs> Violator was definitely better than the debut, uh, but was still quite Cock-y. Um, this, though, is a huge step up. And it's also... it's. It's kind of melodic black metal with like lots of thrashy stuff. So it's it's kind of it work. Imagine like a black metal monomath, and like you can still hear the 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 genre roots, but it's an awful lot more catchy and hooky and about songs. And you know, you know, even if you don't listen to the genre, you can come in and understand what's going on straight away. Um, and certainly the opener is is kind of there's still a little bit of that cock influence because there's one lead line which sounds exactly like Keep of Glassing. Uh, but from there, it's almost like the lead, the band's leader, Pervala, has gone, yeah, that's the influence done with because it doesn't really come back. And the rest of the album, while stro- still broadly black metal and, and quite thrashy, is just pure Vredahammer. I mean, um, is that, um, am I talking complete cock or do you know who cock are? <laughs> Uh, I know who they are. I haven't listened to them, if I'm being honest. Um, you you uh, are missing they... out. I think you'd like them. I still feel like I can see where you're coming from, because I the thing I took out of this is that it feels more distinctly them. It feels yeah. like they've taken a step to... It, it feels both a bit more like a black metal record than Violator did, if I'm being honest. Yeah, it does. And it's a bit more like noir as well, because they've got all these synth parts that come in that give this or like this ener- this kind of air of it's almost industrial. Everything just, yeah, everything's just a bit darker on this, I think. I mean, and it sounds silly, but even the artwork is just black as opposed to being yes. grey, which sounds silly, but it does, you know, it creates that image in your head of what you're getting into, and I think it does, that is reflected in the music. You know who those synthy bits reminded me of? It was, to me, like a less batshit version of Mysticum. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, it's not quite as... Uh, bafflingly dizzying no but nothing is but it's it's got that same just kind of relentless it's it's the kind of sense that they at some points they come in almost instead of riffs and yet they still carry the same sort of weight yes which on a black metal record is hard to do if you don't know who uh mysticum are by the way they are this kind of legendary uh band who only did like two Fucking records crazy. 
who uh, they did one record in 96 and another one in 2014. Uh, and the t- one in 2014 was called Planet Satan, which a lot of us had great fun with. Uh, and they are this, they are industrial black metal and they are completely mad. Like the, the band themselves seem you know, relatively sane, but the music, you if you, the, the idea that that was written by a human at times kind of beggars belief because it's so crazy. This is not at all no, like that. No. Like if the, for heavy metal, this is this is very much intelligible, understandable, and completely sensible, and really catchy. It's not yeah. like it's not like weirdly structured. It's songs like especially aggressor. Like everyone who hears aggressor yeah. goes, oh, <laughs> that is an absolute you know head down raging song. It's it's got the same thing that I clicked with really heavily with violator which is there are moments and it's kind of what i live for in a lot of metal is those moments of either like just a line that's delivered in a way that sounds really nasty or like one riff that will stick with you for the rest of the day like those are the moments that those are the things that keep me coming back to a lot of my favorite records is just hearing those particular moments and this has loads of them and i can see myself just going it's the kind of record where i will I'll be sat on a train or something, no idea what I want to listen to, and I'll be like, I'll just put that Freda Hammer record on, and I'll have a great time. Yeah, because ultimately it's just really accessible. You know, you can relax into it. You don't have to really tightly pay attention, but really excellent, very heavy songs with this kind of draconic smile on its face. It's just really fun. Yeah, it's It's a good time. Yeah. Trademark. Yeah. <laughs> so you should put that on the uh, the uh, sticker on the front cover. It's just a really good time. <laughs> Joe Nan, help it from out. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, we should probably move on from there because I think I've wittered on enough about Vreda Hammer and we both enjoyed uh, wittering on about Elephant Tree quite a lot. So uh, I think we should move on to the second part next week, uh, which will include our top tens. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I will mostly just be trying to get through without saying anything bad about Joe's number one because I'm genuinely worried he might have me killed if I do. It's pro- it probably will happen. I'm not even going to pretend like that isn't on my agenda. But we will return now to our chat with Mina Caputo. So you you mentioned that you're you know you're honest with yourself and you're open about who you are and 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 you know you're. You know, there's an honesty about the way you exist and live your life. How important is that to making sure that you can you can make music as well as possible? Are the two related? Yeah. It's absolutely, absolutely. If you're not honest with yourself, you know, you can't really function at an optimal level. I mean, I only speak for personal experience. You know, the more open and honest you are with yourself, the more free flowing and cooperative life is with you. Yeah, it frees up the the, the creative process. And, you know, the creative process doesn't just really have to do with anything, with making anything or making music. This this conversation is literally the creative process unfolding right before our five senses. So no matter what you do, whether it's you with a lover or 
you're walking down the street or writing a song or taking your dog to the park or, you know, you, you, you can't run away from yourself. Like what Bob Molly says. No, you can't run away from yourself. Can't run away from yourself. You know, it's like that always stuck with me, one of those lines from Molly. Because you know what? I busied my entire life, 25 years, 30 years of running away from myself. And guess where it got me? Fucking nowhere with a bullet to the head, with a, with a, with a, with a, with a gun sometimes tapping this, the, 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 my temples and my skull because I didn't want to live anymore because I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, I was thinking and feeling differently back then. I didn't have the courage to be hated the way I do now. So I think being honest affects everything. You feel it when you're not, when you're a dishonest person, you're a miserable fuck. You know, you, 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 you're not right. Your cellular structure is busy dying. It's not busy living. Every little thought, every little feeling, every little passing thought, every little created thought, it's like you have control of it all. You know, you're not perfect every day. I'm not perfect. I don't have all the answers. Don't take it from me. But this is how I operate. You got to be careful. Your word is your wand. Your feelings behind your word, your intentions behind the feelings, behind the feelings behind the words is everything. That creates everything for you, whether you like it or not. So honesty is everything. You've mentioned creating your own reality a number of times, and I'm, I'm interested to know, does the, the reality you need to to needs the wrong word let me rephrase that does the reality that you create for yourself alter as you move between musical projects because obviously you've you know you, the last four years i think i'm right in saying you've had two life of acne albums and two albums as a solo artist so does it when you move between between uh the, the music that you're writing does the reality around you change to to fit that or does it is that something that just happens the, the move between projects happens within the same reality. No, well, what I'll tell you is that, well, if, you know, if I'm moving beyond projects and stuff like that, the prod, the outside projects and the outside world that comes into contact with me, I'm pulling that outside reality within me. So I'm therefore changing everything that's outside of me. I don't allow what's outside of me to kind of change me i'm just me <laughs> and i'm perceiving and i'm experiencing and i'm and i'm understanding and i'm um you know so if um yeah if i have uh if someone's bringing me work or or you know a shell to sing over and lay down let melodies or lyrics or whatever if there's an outside project and people I'm working with, you know, I'm, I'm bringing my energy and, and I, you know, I'm, uh, or I'll take their energy and I'll, I'll weave it into my web. So it, so I can kind of saturate my energetic and vibrational self onto a song or, 
whatever. The things that happen in the world around you, it seems obvious that rather than, you know, if there are bad things that happen, whatever they are, it seems very much that you try and use that to to empower yourself and to use that as an opportunity to either rise above it and ignore it or actually learn from it. Um, is is that is that a fair interpretation of 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 what you yes. said? Yeah. No, that's that's absolutely what I do. And does how do how do you use that when it comes to when it comes to writing music? Does it how, how do you try and does it does some of that help you focus um, that into into creativity or is it is are the two things separate? Well, I'll tell you what really makes me focus is meditation. And I've been meditating for 30 years. And I've been doing, you know, I've been a yogi for 20 plus years. So yoga and meditation and, you know, <laughs> those guys, those, uh, you know, the loud zoos in, in the Himalayas, like those guys are like my people. I, um, I just, it affects me. Of course it affects me, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I allow it to teach me. I allow, I, I, I have to come up with my own conclusions on things. Um, I do tons of research on my own, but ultimately um, these days I, I really, I need to feel really, really good in order to get the best creation out of myself. So I like to create from a very high point in my day. Like if I'm feeling down or depressed or riddled with anxiety, the last thing I want to do is write a fucking song. Like I used to be like that, but that was just bad programming. Now I need to be in a really, really satisfied, abundant, creative state to really feel good about what I'm doing. And um, I'm very detached to the outside world. And I'm also very detached to my own life. So, you know, I don't, I'm living well, so I'm going to die well. and. I'm utilizing the instrument of life and death the best way I possibly can. And I'm trying to navigate as smoothly as possible, even though that's impossible. But the same word that's impossible, you can turn into I'm possible. <laughs> so, you know, if you really want something, you're going to make it happen. And I don't really let, sometimes the outside world infiltrates me and gets me down and stuff, of course. But um, I, I need to be really clear-minded now these days and in a state of abundance and, and feeling really good and, and being in the mood to create. And then I'll um, create. It depends because the creative process happens in a, in a million different ways. So... You know, I know sometimes I wake up and I'm just like, oh, just so in the mood to write a song. It doesn't even matter what's going on. It's, it just matters what's going on in my world. 
I'm right here, right now, talking to you. There was no yes, there is no yesterday, and there is no tomorrow. The only thing that's real, the only power that's real is this conversation. The only thing that's real is the power of now. That's it. And and by claiming our now moment, like focusing on the task at hand, like you're talking to me, you're listening to me. That's all you should be doing. And that should be putting you into a meditation because you're focusing on the, 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 the moment at hand. If you're doing an interview with someone and you're looking at a porno magazine or searching online or you're looking at your girlfriend flashing you while someone's trying to talk to you, like you're not focusing on the task at hand. Or if you're, you know, you're, you're cooking and you're washing your bedroom at the same time, like that's, that's not meditation in motion. Like you're listening to me. It's the art of listening. We're focusing on the task at hand. We're in the here and now moment. And that's how you rise to your power. That's how you claim your power. That's how you get your breath. That's how you focus on your breathing. That's how your breath becomes your, you notice and no, no one really ever focuses or, you know, realizes like, man, without my breath, like I'm grateful for my breathing every day. That's what yoga is. Yoga means the, the union of, the union of breath. So, uh, yeah, that's how I, um, you know, you're like, for example, today I was a bit all fucked up. You know, I'm not in my moment really because this one still hasn't eaten. She's looking at me with these eyes all day long. I don't know what's wrong with her. And it's honestly, it's got me like, I'm a little upset. So it's like I was practicing piano, but I wasn't really practicing because my heart, my mind, and everything was really focused on what the fuck is wrong with the baby. And it's like, you know, that's, that's not how you rise to the moment. So if you want to know how you rise to the moment and, and you become the most powerful person that you, be, you, you can become in the moment is to focus in your moment. Even if you have, I'm here, I'm right now, holy shit, I'm talking to me the computer. We're doing this interview. This is the only thing that's really happening. Not you wanting to catch up on your Instagram feed because you haven't been there in two days. Like, you know, like these are all distractions to distract you from the here and now moment where your power is, where everything for you is. So, and that's how I don't allow really, you know, anything to otherwise you know um i'm a victim of my own empathy i'm a very empathetic human being but sometimes i have to really watch myself because i can take on the world's weight i take on the weight of the world man and that ain't a good fucking thing when i do that Thank you so much there to Mina for joining us. That was an absolutely huge thrill for us to have her on, uh, and she is definitely welcome back at any time in the future. That is just about it for this week. Uh, we will join you again a week from now. Uh, Joe, lovely to talk to you. Uh, enjoy the 
festivities which have been ruined for the entire country. <laughs> oh yeah, the bleakest festivities of all time. Can't wait. Yeah. Oh dear. Uh, but until then, uh, very mental fucking Christmas. Uh, and if you uh, listen very carefully, you may just hear Slayer bells ringing. Oh no! Slayer Bells, come on.